1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, if you don't know this story, this is a wonderful story, and I'm just going to read through it, and we'll open up the sermon by reading this. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim. You might ask, is that how you say it? That's how I'm going to say it. Of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephrathite, that's Bethlehem. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah, Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice on the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Hannah couldn't have any children. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her, room, her womb. So she's being tortured by Satan and probably by Peninnah. It's probably who's torturing her, you know, making fun of her for not having children. Verse 7, as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not, am not I better than, to thee than ten sons? Well, that shows you how stupid a husband can be right there. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness. Hannah was in bitterness of the soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give thou, unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. In other words, Eli saw that her mouth was moving. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. So she's not doing an outward prayer. That's a heartly prayer. You can pray with your heart, guys. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. He thought she was drunk. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She's complaining and grieving to the Lord that she doesn't have a child. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Why was her countenance no more sad? Nothing had changed. Well, what had changed was her. What had changed? Her. How did she change? She had faith. Amen. Belief. She said, The Lord's going to do it. I believe the Lord's going to take care of me. Yeah. And her sad, it's just, she went, because she believed. That's the only thing that's changed. She believed. Verse 19, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. Samuel means asked of God. Saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to the 
offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Now, if you know the Bible, Samuel turns into one of the greatest, if not the greatest prophet God ever raised up, Samuel did. Verse 23, Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. She said, I don't want to go up to Jerusalem. I don't want to go up to the temple until I'm ready to give him away to the Lord. And when she had weaned him, verse 24, she took him up with her and with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him up into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood before thee, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked for him, of him. Verse 28, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. That's a wonderful story of, some, uh, of, of a lady, a woman that wants to be a mother, and she wants to be a mother so bad, she complains, and she's actually brokenhearted about it, and she goes to the Lord, she gives it all over to the Lord, and she believed, and the Lord honored that, and answered her prayer, but she also said, hey, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. So sometimes we ask for things, we need to think, okay, well, I'm going to ask for this, I need to be able to use it for the Lord. You're asking for a new car, you're asking for a better car, say, Lord, if you'll give me this car, give me a better car, I'll use it for your glory. I'll, I'll make sure to be at church every time the doors are open, invite people to church, try to bring them to church. There's all kinds of ways you can honor the Lord with your substance. And she gives her, which would be the greatest gift she could give the Lord, was giving him back the child he had gave her. And what the Lord does, look at chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah, and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. So she gives Samuel to Eli. And they went back to their house in verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. The Lord ends up giving her two, three more sons and two more daughters. The Lord took care of her. You can't outgive the Lord. I promise you that. You cannot outgive the Lord. But my sermon this morning, what I want to focus on goes back up to chapter 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed. And I want to preach this morning on Hannah praying. I want to preach this morning on a prayer that she prays. It runs from verses 1 through 10. And I want to preach this morning on a mother's, on a mother's prayer. On a mother's prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for a good mother that loved me. And Lord, it uh, loved me enough to take me on to church, Lord, and get me in there when I didn't want to go. And Lord, I thank you for a mother that showed me love and put up with me, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for these mothers, Lord God, that we have out here, Lord God, that love their children, that uh, care for them, Lord. And sometimes they love them when they're unlovable, Lord. And I thank you for them, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in everything we look at this morning and that's heard and preached, Lord God. And I pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Father, you'll give us that manna from heaven, Lord God, and we'll have a heart to receive it. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Well, you know we can't say enough about mothers. I mean, we, we just can't say enough about a good mother. Behind every good man is a good woman. And nine times out of ten, that good woman is going to be a mother. You'll find a good mother. I don't know how many. I, I love to read the biographies of John Wesley, Charles Wesley, Martin Luther. I don't know how many of these men 
Morgan. How many of these men, you find out they had a good, godly mother. I mean, not just a good mother, but a godly mother that was above and beyond. I mean, just amazing some of the things that these mothers did for John Wesley, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was able to do what he did because his mother went and was working like as a coal mine, working in a coal mine. Just amazing stories about mothers. And Hannah's one of those. Hannah's one of those that loves her child enough to give him, give him back to the Lord. Which is the best thing you can do is give your child to the Lord. That's the very best thing you can do. And the, uh, we just had a, a dedication for Nor June not too long ago. That's the best thing. The way and how decision ever made. Say, hey, we're going to give this child back to the Lord. We're going to dedicate this child to the Lord. Amen. Best thing ever. I, when uh, my son was born in the hospital... 24, 25 years ago, he was born in the hospital. There was a Christian couple that came up there, and this Christian lady came up there, and she says, I want to pray, and I want to dedicate him to the Lord. And I was so stupid. I'm like, okay, whatever. That's the best thing she could have ever done. I wasn't living for the Lord at that time. That's the best thing she could have ever done. I thank the Lord for her. That was a good mother came in and said, that's a child that needs to be given to the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And Hannah prayed. Now she had all this happen, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. So the first thing we find out in Hannah's prayer is that she gives all the credit and focus on the Lord. Notice verse 1, My heart rejoiceth in who? In the Lord. She didn't say, My heart rejoiceth in my beautiful, wonderful son, and we all know the, the, the only perfect man is a mother's son. Yeah, amen. I heard an amen out there. The, but the point is, is that she could have said, Hey, Lord, I rejoice in my son Samuel. He's such a beautiful child. He's, no, she says, I rejoice in the Lord. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My power, my horn, everything about me is rejoicing in the Lord. That's the first thing you want to notice about her prayer is that it re she rejoices in the Lord. She gives the Lord the credit. We need to never forget to give the Lord the credit. And it's just, she says there in verse 1, end of verse 1, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. Why is her mouth enlarged over her, her enemies? Because I rejoice in thy salvation. <laughs> you want your words to have power? Ladies, do you feel like your words don't have power? Well, rejoice in your salvation and your words will have power. Your words will carry power. Your words never carry more power than when you're rejoicing in the salvation of Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to when you start talking about what Jesus Christ has done for you and you start saying, man, the Lord Jesus Christ saved me. Man, people shut their mouth and they listen. That's a testimony. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can just come in and swoop down and just everything get quiet when you're rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord. It says, my mouth is enlarged over my enemies. In other words, my mouth is bigger than my enemies. I'm praising. My, my enemies have to keep their mouth shut. Why? Because of the Lord and the salvation of the Lord. Look at verse 2. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Amen. That rock, of course, now we know to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the rock. He's the foundation. When we were at the uh, wedding yesterday, I was trying to make a point, and clumsily, but I was trying to make the point that this couple, this young couple, are trying to put their foundation of their marriage on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's where it needs to be. And the second thing we find out about Hannah's prayer there in verse 2 in verse 2 is Hannah recognizes the Lord is the only one that can do it. 
He's the only one. I know a young couple that's trying to have a child, and they're, they're, they're trying. I mean, they're going to the doctor. They're going here. They're going there. And I don't blame them. They're, they're using every means possible. But you don't ever want to leave out the Lord. Amen. You want to put him first and recognize, Lord, if you don't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. But, Lord, even if all the doctors in the world say that my wife can't have a child, if the, if the Lord wants her to have a child, Hannah will have that child. And she recognizes that. There's none holy as the Lord. There's no doctor that's a great physician like the Lord Jesus Christ is the great physician. And there's some great physicians in the world. And I give the Lord credit for the wisdom the Lord's given them. But don't ever forget to put the Lord first. He's first in everything. The Lord, the, the, she says this great mother, and this is a great mother's prayer. There is none holy as the Lord, but there is none beside thee. It's not like you say... I've got to pick, okay, uh, I, this is the better medicine. I'll pick this one. This is the better of all these doctors. I'll pick this one. She says, there's nobody else to pick but the Lord. Amen. Yes, and a good mother knows that. A good mother recognizes that and knows that. You know, uh, I was reading about this, this mother, and she had a son named John, and this son was wicked. And he was so wicked, he ran off to be a sailor. And she prayed and prayed and prayed for John. She never gave up praying for John. And, and she started hearing rumors about her son. Was he, every time she'd hear more rumors, she, he was getting more wicked. And John was getting more wicked. And you know what that mother did? She didn't give up on her son. She just kept praying and praying, believing God could change his heart. And guys, let me tell you something. A mother's prayer, it could chase you around the world. Where nobody else's prayers will follow you, a mother's prayer will hound you to the other side of the universe. And this mother, with tears in her eyes, would pray for John, Please, Lord, save my son John. Save him from his wicked ways. That man John was John Newton. Slave trader. Got saved. Got right. Started helping out the slaves. Trying to abolish slavery. That man's the one that wrote the song, Amazing Grace. We had the song, one of the most famous hymns in the whole world is, was, was because we have a praying mother who never gave up on her son. Said, I know he's wicked, Lord. I know nobody could ever see him being redeemed, Lord, but you are a great redeemer. Redeem him. And the Lord redeemed him. And he said, oh, amazing grace. How great you are. Woo! It's because of a praying mother. And there's a chain reaction, mothers out there. Because of John Newton, how many men's lives were saved? Amen. John Newton was a great preacher. And there was a man named Thomas Scott that was saved under him. And that man, Thomas Scott, he saved another man. And that man's name was William Cowper. And that man there wrote the song, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. Guys, we've got some of our best hymns in our books because of mothers. You know that a majority of our hymns in our books, that four, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing, man, I can go on and on. That's the Wesley brothers. You know why, they're, they're, you know why the Wesley brothers are preachers and they were songwriters and songs? Because their mother was a godly mother. Made sure they were raised right, disciplined right. All of that was because of their mother. Mothers, you have such an influence, and you can make such an influence in this world. And the reason why America's in the shape we are, 
is because of mothers. Some mothers have fell down. Some mothers have stopped being mothers. I'm not preaching to y'all guys. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Verse 3. Verse 3. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. What she's going to do here in verses 3, 4, and 5, Hannah is going to give some good, godly, motherly advice. And we all could use some of that, amen? amen. Good, godly, motherly advice. And her first advice is, talk no more so exceeding proudly. Now who is she talking to? She's talking to the creature. There's a creature that God created that's the most prideful, arrogant creature that God ever created. It's called man. Us men are some of the most prideful, arrogant, boastful, shameful. And the first thing she says is, talk no more so exceeding proudly. It's just like a mother to humble you down. I know that growing up, man. Growing up, man, I, I grew up around some rough people. I mean, I grew up around, I mean, some, I have one friend that's in, I have one friend that's, I found out where he was, he's serving jail for 100 years, 60 plus 40. He's got 100 years jail sentence. I ran to his brother, drunk, sitting there holding a beer in his hand. I remember you, Keegan. How you doing? He's slobbering drunk, and the guy that I was riding with is like, you know him? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I grew up with him. One of my best friends. Before I got saved. Before I got saved. It's amazing. But I grew up around some of the most wicked, crazy men. Fight you on a drop of a hat. Want to fight you. Looking for a fight. But when their mother came around, all of a sudden they stopped cussing. All of a sudden they just were the nicest, sweetest. You thought they were angels when their mother was around. They respected their mother. They loved their mother. Uh, the, the tattoo artist... Uh, that Amy knows. Uh, uh, Oliver, yeah, Oliver. I mean, I've heard that uh, Oliver, when he goes around his grand, granny or whoever, he goes around his, you know what he does? He, he takes a long sleeve because he's a tattoo artist. He had tattoos all over his arms. He, and a tight shirt up here, long sleeve right there because he knows she doesn't want to see him in tattoos. So why does he do that? He's, he, 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 he don't have to do that. No, he don't have to do that because he loves and respects his mothers. Y'all have so much love and respect come towards y'all. You have so much power. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The Lord knows what you're doing. So her good advice to you is, hey, the Lord's watching you, and the Lord knows what you're doing. And you need to remember this in verse 4. The bowls of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. The, the strongest man you know, God can bring them down low. And the weakest man you know, the Lord can give him strength to do whatever the Lord wants him to do. It's all in the Lord's hands. Some of this COVID stuff, we've been talking about this lately because it's been touching us here in some other different ways. But uh, I've heard more than one report of, 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 of somebody being very, very healthy, get COVID, pass away. Then you hear about 90-year-old men or women getting COVID. Doesn't bother them one bit. The Lord does what he wants to do. That's what this is what she's saying. Hey, I might be a woman. I might be a mother. You might think I'm weak, but the Lord can make the strong, the weak strong, and the strong weak. And that's just my point I just gave you. 
I've got, I knew some of the meanest, honoriest guys in Brown County, but when they were around their mothers, you thought they were little lambs. And their mother had them control them, grab them up by the ear. What are you doing? I, I thought it was funny. It's fun to see your guy get humbled down, you know. No, mama, no, mama, no, mama. Amen. I love that. Y'all mamas have so much strength. And I just wonder if y'all realize it, how much strength you have. Verse 5, they that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungered ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. She's pointing out the point that is, you might be rich now, but God can make you poor. And you might be poor now, but God can make you rich. And God does what He wants to do when He wants to do. God can change your situation in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But i got some good news for you. Sometimes it's a, you might be in a bad situation. And the Lord can change that in a heartbeat. Put you in a good situation. But just like that, you can be in a good situation. Not recognizing the Lord, the Lord might put you in a bad situation. Do you see where Hannah's going with this? This good godly mother's pointing out the fact to you that God has your life in His hands. And not to forget it. It's Him. It's all about Him. She's doing some good preaching right here, isn't she? Yes, she is. It's good preaching. That's good prayer right there. I was reading this story about Dr. Morgan. Dr. Morgan was a preacher. I think he had four sons. All four sons were preachers. Good preachers. Good godly men. And they had this big family reunion. They came around. And somebody in the family came around. They were looking at all the, the boys. And one of the sons was there. And he had said, hey, man, tell me. Which one of y'all Morgans is the best preacher? And without a heartbeat, he goes, he goes Mom. <laughs> Mom, she's the best preacher of all the Morgans Mama is. Amen, amen, amen. I've been around some of you women. Y'all just, y'all push me down to get up here and preach and probably do a better job. I hate to say it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all got to understand, sometimes I get up here and y'all know, know I'm rough. Y'all know I'm about, I got a... a you know, I've got rough edges around me, but I was raised by a single mom. I have very strong women in my life. I've always had very strong women. Didn't have a dad, wasn't raised by a dad, so I didn't have any male influence. That's all these strong women. So, I mean, when I, I'm around a woman and she's like, wow, she's real strong and everything, I'm just like right at home, like, okay, whatever, don't bother me. I mean, some men are like, I don't like that. Well, I'm like, don't bother me, you know. Don't bother me one bit. I'm, I'm used to being around them. I'm, I grew up around crazy, wild Irish women. German women. Don't y'all feel sorry for me? No, y'all don't? Y'all hadn't ever grown up around them then. Hadn't been, yeah, you had not been around them long if you don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, because my mother, my mother could use a, a, a belt like a whip, like Indiana Jones. I mean, I've told y'all that story all the time, but she'd catch me. I told her, I'm not coming home. I was a young kid. I, said, I, I called her from my friend's house. I said, I'm going to stay over here at Chris's house a little longer. And she said, no, you need to come on home. I said, no, I'm not coming home. And I hung up the phone, and as soon as I hung up the phone, I said, I made a mistake. I mean, I didn't even get the phone hung up. I knew I'd made a mistake. And I turned to my friend. He's like, are you going to get to stay? I'm like, no, i got to go home. <laughs> so I get out the door, and I'm walking over to my bicycle, and here, I, here it comes. My mom's 1968 Chevy Camaro. And it had like a parking lot next to his house. And I hear my mom coming. I see her, and I you know I'm not going to wait around. I know what's coming. So I jump up on my bicycle, and here she comes. Wah! 
sliding is like a, a, a it was a, not a paved parking lot. It's dirt and it's, she pulls out there, she jumps out of there, and you can almost hear the, the Indiana Jones music. Dun, 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 dun. And she had this, I mean, it looked like a bullwhip, man. She's, whoosh, whoosh. And this little bitty, the short Irish lady got out of there. Whoosh, whoosh, got me on the back. I'm like, ow! And I am get on my bicycle, and I'm trying to pedal, and she's going down the road. Shkaw, shkaw, shkaw. Just, just whipping me with that belt. And I'm like, no, mama, no, mama, no, mama. And I remember driving off, and I went and hid in an alley. And that's what I do today at work. I go hide in alleys. But now I was in the alley. I was on my back in the alley. I hear her going. <laughs> she was looking for me. I'm like, no way. I'll wait till the Irish woman calms down. Then I'll go on home. Yeah. Say, would, should somebody have called CPS? They would have today. And one of the neighbors today would have seen that. Oh, my gosh, she's killing that poor boy. Oh, and they'd have called CPS and rear, 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 rear. They'd have about 16 cops over there, you know, dragging us down. Probably would have shot my mom right there on the spot and everything. I deserve more. I deserve more than I got. I deserve more weapons than I got. That's just one of the good ones. I'm talking about that. I'm bragging on my mom. I, I love her for doing that to me. Because I was wild and like a dog, and she couldn't control me, and she deserved to give me everything. I deserved everything I got, and I thank her for it. So don't judge my mom. <laughs> you didn't have to raise me. You would have fouled out. <laughs> she should have gave me a whole lot more than that. Praise the Lord for my mom. Verse 6, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Hannah acknowledges that the Lord has our life in his hands. The Lord killeth. Verse 6. The Lord killeth. And he maketh alive. Kind of scary. He bringeth down to the grave. Hey, but he bringeth it up. Praise the Lord. Sister Alice has gone down into the grave, but the Lord's going to bring her up. Amen. Amen. Some of us are going to go down into the grave. The Lord's going to bring us up. It's in his hands. It isn't in anybody else's hands to keep me down. It's in the Lord's hands to put me down, but it's also in His hands to bring me up. And I'm thankful for that. I'm, I've come to a Savior in Jesus Christ that says, I am the resurrection. I'm the one that's going to bring you up. I am the resurrection. Nobody else. It's not, it's not the trees or Mother Nature or Mother Gaia Earth or anything. It's the Lord God Jesus Christ. I am the resurrection. Hey, you might be put down, but I'll bring you up. It's humbling to know that the Lord has all, where all that's were in His hands. The Lord maketh poor, verse 7, and He maketh rich. He bringeth low, and He lifted it up. The Lord does all that. Hannah's a very, very wise woman. Very godly mother. And she recognizes it's all in the Lord's hands. The Lord can kill you. Or the Lord could save you. The Lord can make you rich. And he has some Christians. And some Christians, he's made us poor. But it's the Lord's doing. Jesus Christ had something to say about this. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. In Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 4. Luke chapter 12, verse 4. This is what Christ said. And I say unto you, my friends. This is what Jesus said. I say unto you, my friends. Be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast you into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear 
him. Who you should be, who you should be afraid of this morning is the Lord God. Because any man could come in this back of this church and shoot and kill us. Anybody. And we know that. It's happened in Texas. But they can only kill us. You get what I'm saying? They can only kill us. But the Lord God could take your soul and throw it into hell. You need Jesus Christ. You need to be fearful of the Lord. You will stand before Him. But I've got some good news for you, some great news. Hannah's going to pray this in verse 8. Verse 8. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dunghill. Thank you, Lord. He lifted up the beggar from the dunghill. Hannah, what Hannah's saying here, Hannah's saying that the Lord can take anybody and anyone and He can clean them up. And I'm thankful for that. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. You know, nothing will humble you down any more than to go be around rich people. <laughs> it's very humbling. And we went to that wedding yesterday, way off out there, in the middle of the boondocks. You get out there and you're like, man, where do people get this much money? I mean, just gobs of money. And then you hear that there was this beautiful mansion right there, and they walk up there and they're like, we don't like this. And they just bulldoze it down to, to build an even 20, 20 bedroom mansion or something. Just, I mean, I can't comprehend that. I'm, I'm a beggar on a dunghill. But the Lord still loves me. <laughs> and the Lord still cares for me. And he says, I know you're down on a dunghill. They didn't, they didn't update that. They don't update that word in the modern English versions. I promise you that. But I'm down there in the sewer. And the Lord can come and pick you up. He can clean you up. And he can set you among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. Wow. You realize, brothers and sisters, you're kings and queens to the Lord. You're princes to the Lord. You, you're, you're the son and the daughter of a king. You're going to inherit the throne of glory. When I preach about Jesus Christ coming to rule and reign on this earth, that's as true and right as the sun coming up every morning. But what's so also true and right as the sun coming up every morning is that you're going to rule and reign with Him. You say, well, I'm just a nobody, Brother Keegan. I am too. And we get drugged along because the Lord, He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dunghill. One of the best things to read is when Jesus Christ is going through in the Gospels and some old beggar is laying on the ground begging and they're telling that beggar, shut up, shut up. And that beggar gets the Lord's attention. The Lord walks over there and heals him. The Lord cares for everybody. Amen. And I need to tell you, if you're rich in here this morning, you can't trust those riches to get you into heaven. You can't. Only the Lord. Only the Lord. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And he had set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no man prevail. I love what she says there in verse 9. First she says in verse 8, the Lord will save you. And he will through Jesus Christ. 
But verse 9, she says, he will keep you. You know, she didn't say he might keep the feet. He's going to try to keep the feet. He's going to do his very best to keep your feet. It says he will keep the feet of his saints. The Lord is powerful enough to save you, and he's also powerful enough to keep you. Thank you, Lord, because I can't keep myself. And that's what that verse tells you right there. You can't keep yourself. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. Not by strength, not by strength, only by faith. And we saw that in that last chapter. When she finally put her faith in the Lord and said, Lord, I believe you can do this, her sad countenance went away, and the only thing that changed was her belief in Jesus Christ, in the Lord. He will keep you. What a great promise. She closes out in verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall, shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. He shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. She's prophesying. She's prophesying about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Do you realize the end of verse 10 it says, His anointed, that's the first time that's mentioned in the Bible is by Hannah, a woman, a mother. Mentions his anointed. The word anointed is being used. It's being used. It's being used, but never his anointed. That's the first time Hannah's, it comes out of her mouth in a prayer, his anointed and his king. Who's that king? King Jesus. My king. Is he your king? He's coming back. And that's a prophesy. That's a prophecy of her uh, uh, that he, she gave right there of him coming back. And what's he going to do? He's going to break him. He's going to break all his adversaries into pieces. Out of heaven shall be, he thunder upon them. Look, the Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. There's nowhere you can hide that the Lord's not going to judge you. Amen. The Bible says in Revelation they're going to build underground bunkers. They're going to try to go hide in the underground, under dens, under caves. They're going to hide from the wrath of the Lamb of God, the Bible says. But it's not going to do them any good. And it's amazing to read that in Revelation and then to know that our government has underground bunkers built all over the world. <laughs> that was only written 2,000 years ago. You can't escape God. David said, if I was going down to the depths of the earth, the depths of the sea, that's where the Lord would be. David said, if I went down to the depths of hell, there would be the Lord. You can't escape the Lord God. And he can kill you or he can make alive. He can bring you down or he can bring you up. He's got a lot of power. That's why I bowed down and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because you can't fight a power like that. You just can't do it. And Hannah recognizes it. And what a beautiful Mother's Day prayer that she gives. I think it's beautiful. I want to read you one more thing about a mother. Heinz, uh, Heinz ketchup, 57 Heinz, you know, the variety. That, that, this is his will. His name was Henry J. Heinz. This is his will. When he died, this is what his, he wrote in his will. I'm going to close by reading this real quick. Looking forward to the time when my earthly career, career will end, I desire to set forth at the very beginning of this will as the most important item in it. He said, this is the most important item of my will. A confession of my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. 
I also desire to bear witness to the fact that throughout my life, in which there were unusual joys and sorrows, I have been wonderfully sustained by my faith in God through Jesus Christ. Amen. This legacy was left to me by my consecrated mother, a woman of strong faith, and to it I attribute any success I have attained. How many of us in here, like Henry Hines, have, would have to say, Praise God I had a mother that drug me to church. Praise God I had a godly mother that prayed over me and loved on me. And if God forbid, if you're listening to me right now and you're thinking, my mama made me go to church. That's why I don't, I don't want to. I, I was made to go to church. That's why I don't go to church now. I was made to go to church. Yeah, your mama made you brush your teeth. Your mama made you take a shower. You don't do any of those things either. Your, your mother made you do what was right. Now, why are you not doing what's not right now? Amen. God bless the mothers. And God bless Hannah with her beautiful prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your words. Lord, I thank you for mothers like Hannah, Lord God, that when you do answer prayers for them, Lord, you, you show, up and, uh, show up in a mighty way in their life, Lord God, that they give you the praise and the glory, Lord, and they point back to you, Lord. We're pointing back to you this, this morning, Lord. We're pointing back to you. We're thanking you. And we're thanking Lord Jesus Christ for the crucifixion, Lord. We're thanking you for the precious blood. We thank you for mothers, Lord God, that have prayed for us over these years, Lord God, have prayed for this church. Lord, we thank you for the mothers, Lord God, that prayed for the men that got us this Bible, Lord God. Lord, we're just praying, Father, that there's a mother out there, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Father, that they would get saved. And they could, they could rely on you to help them be a good mother. And they could pray for their kids, Lord, and they can get right with you, Lord. Lord, we don't know what's going on in a man or a woman's heart, Lord God, but we know this morning, Lord, that you move and that you're still in the saving business and you want them to be in heaven with you, Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for all you do for us, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. 
But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.